And welcome back. I'm Bill English here, the publisher at Bible and Business. I'm so glad you've joined me today. We are in today part seven of an eight part series on becoming free from the bondage of sin. This is chapter two in my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. And today I'm going to look at some very practical considerations that we can employ uh, in order to overcome the bondage of sin. But before, uh, before we actually get going there, what I'd like to do is invite you to come over to my website, bibleandbusiness.com, where you can download the slides for this video series in PDF format. You can also attend, a, or at least sign up to attend, a CEO online group that I run for business owners every six Saturdays. On a Saturday morning, I run these live through Zoom. You can read articles, listen to podcasts, even participate in our surveys. And after you're done participating in a survey, you'll get the results back right away. My site is written for business owners who own for-profit businesses. And I write for Christians who own businesses. So I hope that you'll join me over there at BibleAndBusiness.com. Now look, there are some practical considerations to becoming free from the bondage of sin, and they really have to do with how we handle our desires, okay? So what I'd like to do here is basically answer a very simple question. When I have an urge to sin, such as looking at pornography, eating too much food, I need to lie to get myself out of this bind that I'm in, other types of sins like that. What should I do? How do I handle that, that urge, that temptation to sin? And what I'm going to suggest today is that the short answer is to take our thoughts captive. This is very biblical, actually. This isn't, you know, I'm a psychologist, so I understand, um, you know, I understand the various psychological theories and treatment methods. And this isn't that. This is really biblical stuff, taking our thoughts captive. So let's, let's look at what this really means. Look, all temptations cause us to think distorted thoughts. I need or I want this when maybe we really don't need it, or maybe we don't really want it in the way we think, or maybe the lie that I won't be happy or satisfied until I get it, or maybe there is no other way to meet my need, my urge, my desire, and so I need to do this thing. I need to commit this sin. I know it's sin, but I'm going to do it anyways because it's the only way I know uh, to have my needs and my urges and my desires satiated. Secondly, and paradoxically, it's usually best to accept or pull closer these tempting thoughts as being your thoughts. It's the cognitive equivalent of Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So if you recognize that all temptation causes us to think distorted thoughts, then what we're going to suggest, what I'll suggest here, is that you pull those thoughts closer to you and accept them as your thoughts, okay? And then once you have accepted them as your thoughts, then you can turn around and challenge them with the truth. So when you challenge your thoughts, you're taking the black and white out of the distortions and you're introducing truth. For example, if you're thinking that you need to eat something more in order to feel satisfied, then you're assuming that you are not satisfied before you started eating. But maybe you already ate a dinner and you're actually quite full, but now you're going to go have a second or a third piece of pie. You know what? 
you're already satisfied and you're assuming that by looking at that pie that you were not satisfied before you started to look at it. That may not be the truth. So the distortion, and really frankly it's a lie many times, is that what you believe to be true about the results of your action may not actually give you what you're hoping to get. Every temptation will lead you to think that when all is said and done, you're going to be happy and satisfied. Life's going to be good. But this is a distortion. It's a lie. Sin doesn't lead to happiness and satisfaction. Instead, it leads to emptiness, and it rots us from the inside. So we challenge our thoughts, and we introduce truth into our thoughts by pulling them closer, and then we uh, take the lie, and we really challenge the lie that's part of, of the temptation and the distorted thought that we're thinking. So for a Christian, there is a rational voice that brings truth to bear on our temptation. And that rational voice is the Holy Spirit. If we have a bad thought, if we're being tempted, that's not the sin. You can't be tempted without having some level of distorted thoughts or thinking. But if we dwell on it and don't introduce the Holy Spirit uh, and truth into our distorted thinking, then we will eventually act on that and we will sin. Here's some verses that will help us understand this. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you are being tempted, when you're living under the bondage of sin, you're not free. You're simply not free. But when you start to know the truth and you allow the Holy Spirit to inform you of the truth, then you will be set free by that truth. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. We destroy arguments, Paul writes, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So these distorted thoughts have arguments within them. These temptations, there's an argument there that's being made to you. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be satisfied. This is what I need right now, and nothing else is going to meet my need but this thing, this pornography, this food this lying, this stealing. I need that thing, so I'm going to go take it and steal it for myself. You know, I need more money, and so I'm just going to start really working hard to earn more money. Um, and maybe that's true, and that may not necessarily be a sin, but coveting money and pursuing wealth just for the sake of pursuing wealth, that is sin. And so we destroy those arguments uh, by taking every thought captive to Christ. And that's Paul's way of saying, let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Let the Holy Spirit inform you. Let the Holy Spirit help you understand what's really true here and what really isn't true. Here's Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Again, we take our thoughts captive. We don't become captive to these hollow, deceptive thoughts. Deceptive because part of them are true, but part of them are false. All deception has an element of truth in it. And so some of these thoughts are going to be deceptive. Many of them are going to be hollow, but they're always going to lead to sin. And so we take them captive. We don't let, our let ourselves be taken captive that way. Instead, we let ourselves become captive through the truth and the voice of the Holy Spirit talking to each of us internally. 
And by the way, if you want to learn more about how to hear the voice of God, then I encourage you to look at chapter 7 in my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. Chapter 7 is entirely dedicated to hearing and obeying the voice of God. This is Galatians 5, 16 through 25. This is kind of a long passage, but I'll ask that you kind of stay with me here. Uh, this is Paul writing to the Galatians. But I say, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, Paul says, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Here, this is an extended way of Paul saying, when you are tempted to sin, and here's what sin looks like, these are the works of the flesh, then what you really need to do is to stay in step with the spirits, draw close to the spirit, and the fruit of that will be things like love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness and self-control. So does challenging your own thoughts, asking God to reveal to you the lies and distortions in your thinking become an act of obedience because of these passages? I think it does. So taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ is really the core practical consideration here as we try to become free from the bondage of sin. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. To my knowledge, this is the only verse in the Bible that says, if you do these things, you will be satisfied. So ask God to show you how to hunger and to thirst for righteousness, and you'll be satisfied. These other desires that you have, they'll kind of go away. There's that old hymn, uh, and the refrain in the hymn is this, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And as we learn to hunger and to thirst for righteousness, we'll find that these other things that we think we need, these other things that we desire, they kind of will go away and we'll become satisfied and God will become enough for us. So the lesson that we have learned today is that we all have basic needs and we can satiate those needs with the truth in Christ or we can attempt to satiate those needs through our own sin. I want to suggest that God offers us a life of satisfaction and joy that far exceeds anything that America offers us. It really does. But we're going to need to give up our sin in order to find it. Finding that life, in other words, doesn't cost you anything. And yet, in another sense, it will cost you everything. 
In our next episode, we're going to look at understanding God's system of fairness. The reason I included this in, um, in this video series is because in my own healing, in my own journey of becoming free from the bondage of sin, I found that it was helpful to me to understand God's system of fairness, and it might be helpful to some of you who are watching this today. So listen, I'm glad that you've joined me today. Thank you for coming on board and, and taking a look at this or listening to this podcast. And uh, I hope that you'll uh, join me for the next episode on understanding God's system of fairness. I'm Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. Again, thank you for joining me today. Go out and make it a great day. Take care.